Larry D. Giles here. Greetings. This is the um, the balance of the rest of the poems I'm thinking about using in my um, McGuffey Arts Center reading. My first goal is to choose them, to read them and see how they feel uh, before an audience. And then, uh, as necessary, slim down from that point. This poem is called A47. A47 refers to um, the numbers on a jukebox. This poem is set sometime in the 50s. It's one of my poems that I may have uh, taken through the most drafts. Though loving the poem, simply refused to cooperate, so I had to write it over and over again. I hope I finally got it. It's the story of Ida Wilson and the boy who watches her at a juke joint from the secrecy of the cold swamp across the road. A47 To see past the broken slat where the oily light nudged over wooden floors and the smell of peanut hulls dragged sadly over clay and the scatter of bottle caps. I crouched by the swamp, sliding forward and fluffed up pretty with powder. Ida Wilson went in, stepped out of the dirt where the only car sniffed, smoked, choked for town or shoes or something and the gate had ground into a slump I remembered her mama's soundless rocking the woods I thought would stay among the things she kept stuck down near the porch edging closer I may have asked someone for a moon pie a chocolate dropped in a lady's pocketbook hoping to see what drew her through the cold, past the old gas tank with the white-colored figures and the old man's broke candy case. It was one number she punched, till almost dark. One voice sprang like wings into the air where the frogs wanted to skip and jump, sit up high on the mud, Almost croaking, she flapped and twisted, as though nickels sprang from her skirt. Laughter from a deep, shining ocean, only she could splash into for the living. Thaw into another reason to romp or thump, dead and out of breath. Over and over I stole home, nearly choking, forgetting my still and soundless winter youth seeking to grow up fast, dance like a summer dragonfly, high over that trunkless swamp. And I realize um, I didn't quite get the mood of that, but at least I did get through it. The next poem I'm considering is called Cindy and the Elephant Circus. 
As I have said, many of the poems in this collection were written over my lifetime. However, about 30% dropped in to visit me when I was creating the book. I accepted them into the family. In this one, a father speaks lovingly to his rather unique daughter, Cindy and the Elephant Circus. We often joke about the rush, the cotton candy breath, your big toe in pink socks, and nobody downsizing the clowns, my green eyes probably wide as globes, crawling into carousels. I rode with my head back in a curl, unicorn in a beautiful storm, the fields sipping away charm like buffalo blankets. You were a campfire in Robin Hood woods, a little queen designed out of matchbooks and beery lighters, sunlight through trees when they burp out peaches and laugh, paddling to the north country where we could never go. And after a few more tears and silent muddles of unnecessary desire, our Cinderella, smiling and giggling most likely for life. I like that poem for some reason because um, it's rather unpredictable and just um, goes where it wants to go. And I think uh, that's crucial in poetry and often what I'm striving for and never attain. The next poem is about uh, another type of renegade. And actually, this renegade is um, my sister. Or, I guess you could say it's about a sister. Because my writing, I hope, represents not just people from my life, but people in general. Let's see if I can find it. Girl with a Match. This is a girl power poem, but the girl's power embodies the audacity of all African Americans and people, especially those who have agrarian backgrounds. Girl with a Match. This girl, pretty in pigtails and afraid of matches, who sucks her thumb and rocks pink dolls in cradles, bakes black mud pies in little white stoves along the shaded edge of the field. On the porch, scowls at kites, dips just one toe in the river. The one I thought for years was just my sister, like a sun-struck pilot today jumped over the house and set the woods on fire. And this time, I'm just trying to read through these. I'm not trying to put all that much into them. I'm just reading them for emotional impact, sound of the words, and timing. The next one is about one of my mother's friends, one of her childhood friends, actually. 
The title is Nominee. Nominee is actually a real person from my childhood who was very close to my mother. This poem is about the joyful uniqueness in the child who observes her, but also who observes his mother and her unique friend. Nominee. Mama wouldn't tell how she knew her, but the name would roll off her lips like butter. Something churned in old cedar their fathers had dragged up from the woods. Where you get that hat, she said. The summer storm suddenly flapping past the cow barn, the old two-story to the graves and sky, so dark and Spummy, I sniggered and cackled, nearly falling. <laughs> and so we all cackled, feeling something so wrong and perfect and pretty. We somehow just knew. I like the way I changed that up. That could be used um, playfully. It works that way. The next poem is a little bit more intellectual, I would say. The title is East Park Mall. Sometimes I like to challenge myself in my writing to experiment with the form of my poems. This one is not typically lyrical, as most of mine are, but drawn out and prosaic. It presents a senior citizen watching the destruction of an old mall in a city as he longs to remember the aunt who used to take him there to watch the fish. East Park Mall Before the condo at Park and Main running east and west, the yellow komatsu pushes with a cold and steamy breath the long arm scoops at clay, slackened slabs, downward tiles of steps, no longer places to go up. Not caring to lay the second floor anywhere different than the first, it shoves steel into soil, wood into dust, heaps of rubble and brackish rust that chipped, crumble, crack, lie broken before budding trees. Spring, when the earth plans for pears, barters for new perennial seeds, or short, a sleeve short enough for grass and breeze, reaching a blanket buried in the bottom of the bureau, I remember the many things that do not last. But suddenly, on a whim, my aunt, glossy in a peach hat, springs from her convertible, opens the door, pulls me by one finger to look at what darts like fire flickers on castles of stone, caves brightened by a neon permanence of light. Almost forever we gaze at the sights, the flash, the glow in the clear reflection that stays in water, bent from the chilly street now splayed with chalk, where I have suddenly traveled back to the mall to grow old.
In the condo on the Friday of my last fall, I folded the heap of the large blanket that wouldn't warm, sped to the pet shop on Jefferson, and bought me one of the tiniest fish. That works well. I like that. I need to read that. And the last one for this um, pool of poems is Darkest. See if I can find that. This is a new poem that insisted it wanted to be in my book. Darkest. Darkest is a new poem that I would say plowed its way into my book because the book kind of begins from the perspective of a sharecropping family that the constant harsh sun tries to burn into a crisp. The attempt, however, produces a surprise, a crispy treat with a bright new high-rise to boot. Darkest. Everyone thought they'd just stumble and die because the plow head, the house head, and mule. Everyone thought the hammers would fail, the nail not harness, the harrow rack no ground with his dragged-out tooth. Except the darkest he sharecropped to send to school and her tiny, grimy son, who could puff and build the biggest, brightest skyscrapers with only one bare black thumb. That works well. I felt that one naturally, which is good. Thank you.